The 14th century English mystic Julian of Norwich has been talked about by people in many different ways, but first and foremost, she's the author of an extraordinary text, The Revelations, which is the earliest known text authored by a woman in English. Personally, she has been a friend and companion in my Christian life for over 30 years. I'm the Reverend David Simmons, Episcopal priest and oblate in the Order of Julian of Norwich. Thank you for joining me as we read and pray through the works of this extraordinary woman of faith and explore what she has to teach us about God's love. Good morning and welcome to Love Was His Meaning, reading and praying with Julian of Norwich, and we are in chapter 45. We'll begin with the little office. The link to the little office is in the description. Let my prayer be set forth in your sight as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Let's pray Psalm 84 together. How dear to me is your dwelling, O Lord of hosts! My soul has a desire and longing for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh rejoice in the living God. The sparrow has found her a house, and the swallow a nest where she may lay her young. By the side of your altars, O Lord of hosts, my King and my God. Happy are they who dwell in your house. They will always be praising you. Happy are the people whose strength is in you, whose hearts are set on the pilgrim's way. Those who go through the desolate valley will find it a place of springs, for the early rains have covered it with pools of water. They will climb from height to height, and the God of gods will reveal himself in Zion. Lord God of hosts, hear my prayer. Hearken, O God of Jacob. Behold our defender, O God, and look upon the face of your anointed. For one day in your courts is better than a thousand in my own room, and to stand at the threshold of the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of the wicked. For the Lord God is both a sun and shield. He will give grace and glory. No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who walk with integrity. O Lord of hosts, happy are they who put their trust in you. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Let us join together in a prayer of Julian. God of your goodness, give me yourself, for you are enough to me, and I can ask nothing that is less that can be full honor to you. And if I ask anything that is less, I shall always be in want. For only in you have I all. Amen. All right, we will start in on chapter 45. God judges us based on the essence of our human nature, which is always kept constantly within him, whole and safe without end, and this judgment comes from his rightfulness. But man judges on our changeable fleshiness, which seems now one thing, now another, depending on what it picks from among the parts and shows publicly. And this human self-judgment is muddled, for sometimes it is good and gentle, and sometimes it is cruel and oppressive. Insofar as it is good and gentle, it is part of God's right, rightfulness, and insofar as it is cruel and oppressive, our good Lord Jesus reforms it by mercy and grace through the virtue of his blessed passion, and so brings it into rightfulness also. And although these two judgments are thus reconciled and wanted, still both shall be acknowledged in heaven without end. The first judgment is of God's rightfulness, and that proceeds from his high endless love. This is that fair, sweet judgment that was shown in the whole fair revelation, in which I saw him assign us to no kind of blame. 
and although this was sweet and delightful, yet in the observing of this alone I was unable to be fully comforted, because of the judgment of Holy Church, which I had understood before and was constantly in my sight. And therefore by this church judgment it seemed to me that it was necessary for me to acknowledge myself as a sinner, and by the same judgment I acknowledge that sinners are sometimes deserving of blame and anger. But these two things, blame and anger, I could not find in God. Therefore my deliberation and desire was more than I know or can tell, because God himself showed the higher judgment at the same time, and therefore it was necessary for me to accept that, but the lower judgment was taught pre me previously in Holy Church, and therefore I could in no way give up that lower judgment. Then this was my desire, that I could see in God in, in what way the judgment of Holy Church here on earth is true in his sight, and how it is proper for me truly to understand it. By this both judgments could be saved insofar as it would be honorable to God and the morally right way for me. To all this, I had no other response, except an amazing example of a lord and a servant, as I shall tell later, and that most mystically. And yet I remained in my desire, and I will until my life's end. And I could by grace distinguish these two judgments as is proper for me, for all heavenly and all earthly things that belong to heaven are contained in these two judgments, and the more knowledge and understanding that we have of these two judgments by the gracious guiding of the Holy Spirit, the more we shall see and understand our failures, and ever the more that we see our failings, the more naturally, by grace, we shall yearn to be filled full of endless joy and bliss. For we are created for that, and the essence of our human nature is now blissful in God, and has been since it was made and shall be without end. This is a really great chapter with a lot to unpack. So we start at the beginning of this talking about the different ways that God and humanity judge ourselves. So um, I'm, I'm going to read this as Father John Julian articulates this. This um, God, She says, God judges us based on the essence of our human nature which is always kept constantly within him. If we remember, um, Julian talks earlier in chapters about the fact that there is a part of us that is never sullied by sin, a part of us that, that is always wanted to God. Uh, and in her conception of this, uh, God created humanity first in his son. So um, God first creates the uh, humanity first in his son, uh, or existed, you know, pre pre existed in the sun that the sun had human nature, and that that was passed on to humans. So this is a, a, a when people start talking about like a theological anthropology in Christianity, this is a fairly common way of thinking about things that all of that's our humanity, all that's in the nature of our humanity, already pre existed um, in in the second person of the Trinity, and that when um, uh, when we were created. Uh, that we, in the image of God, therefore all of our humanity are everything that, that calls, and this, this gets in, in some interesting stuff on gender too, because then, then everything that is, uh, that we traditionally say is male or female is also there all within the second part of the Trinity. And, you know, all that stuff is, is, is just a reflection of God's nature, which is why Julian is able to talk about, um, Jesus as our mother, uh, also an awful lot in this stuff. So it is that essence of a person, that that uncreated essence, um, that is uh, what God uses in determining a person's worth. So God looks at us that way. 
we, man, as, as, as John Julian puts it, judges based on our changeable fleshiness, which seems one thing, now another, depending on what it picks from among the parts and shows publicly. So human judgment is inherently flawed. It, 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 is, it switches back and forth. It, it moves between different things depending on how we're feeling at the time. Um, so uh, she's, she's putting these, these two judgments kind of up and against each other. And then this causes a problem for her. And th this is a really conundrum that she does not resolve and lives in. So the first judgment is God's rightfulness, and it proceeds from his high endless love. And God assigns us no blame. When God judges us, um, the the famous phrase from Ju from from Julian's writings is God looks at us with pity and not with blame. So uh, God is not about blaming us for the ways we fall and for the ways we fail, because God created us in in with, with at least the capacity to fail is is the the um, the way you have to look at it. Um, this is really important in Julian's writings, that God doesn't blame humans for sin and error. This statement occurs in some form 14 times in this book. So this is, um, th this is a really important thing. And it's especially important in um, the, um, the chapter, in chapter 51, where we look at the uh, parable of the Lord and the servant, which he references a little bit later in this, in this chapter as well. The second judgment, so the first judgment is God's, and God looks at us with no blame, with pity and not with blame. The second is the judgment of Holy Church, which I had understand before and was constantly in my sight. And uh, she's attributing the, the fact that this judgment of the church falls kind of under that second category of, of the judgment of humans. Therefore, it's not as perfect as that of the judgment of God. So she acknowledges that sinners are sometimes deserving of blame and anger. You know, this is this is what uh, you know. So she's saying this is what I've been taught, and certainly in the medieval church, she would have been taught that. Um, but in those two things, blame and anger, she could not find in God anywhere. So in her entire revelation, in the entire reflection of her life, she can't find that blame and God which the church is attributing to God in God. Um, I think what you could say here is uh, the, the the positive part of what the church is, is teaching is that we are sinners and we fall short. You know, that's why uh, churches have um, confession, whether it's individual confession, say in the Roman Catholic traditions and in parts of the Anglican tradition, or general confession like uh, like Anglicans generally do every single week or Presbyterians or, or Lutherans. That's part of our liturgical rites is, is this acknowledgement that we've fallen short of God. The problem is, is when that moves from acknowledging a problem to assigning blame. So the church has done a very bad job throughout history of spending its time using blame and sin as a way to control people. I mean, that, that is Marx's um, um, crit critique of all of religion. And the reason why he has that critique is because he's looking at the, the, the end um, of, of 20 centuries of, of, this, kind of, uh, of this kind of teaching. Um, there's nothing wrong with saying we are sinners and we fall short. It's when we get to the point of, therefore, you are ultimately to blame. Therefore, you are the cause of this. Therefore, you are a bad person because of all of this. That, Julian says, I can't find anywhere in God. God does not blame us. God does not blame us at all. Um, 
And she can't reconcile these two statements. I mean, on one hand, she's got a direct revelation from God and sees no pit, no blame. But yet the church of her time is extremely about, you know, you are a miserable sinner. You know, you need to repent. Even after you repent, there's still going to be more. So just live in that um, and being used as in many, in many cases, a means of control. She can't reconcile that. She desperately wants to. Um, this was my desire. I could see in God the way the judgment of Holy Church here on earth is true in his sight and how it is proper for me to understand it. H- how does this work? Um, and to all this, she says, I had no other response. Now, um, it's interesting in the Middle English here. Uh, this reads, I nay had no nother. Uh, so that is a triple negative. <laughs> and I am not an expert in Middle English, but uh, according to Watson, uh, Jenkins, Watson and Jenkins, I'll make sure I get that right. Watson and Jenkins, yeah. Um, uh, when negatives are used repeatedly in Middle English, it means more emphasis. So she is really saying, I really did not get an answer, except for the amazing example of the Lord and servant, as I shall tell later, and that most mystically, which I actually think the 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 example of the Lord and the servant is one of the most brilliant parts of her um, her writings, um, and that's that happens in ch- chapter fifty one uh, as we move on a little bit later. But I think today the thing that we need to pay attention to, and and we will pay attention to it in the future because she hits this over and over again, is this idea of there being no blame and anger in God. Um, and that is really hard because most of us uh, were not where we were in the Middle Ages, but Christian tradition still has an awful lot of this idea of the miserable sinner, um, and uh, you know the, the person who who can't be redeemed. And and uh, we are all redeemable. We're, there's a part of us that doesn't have to be redeemed, uh, according to to Julian, and that is the part by which God ultimately judges us. And this means an awful lot for our own personal selves. So. If God doesn't blame us, why do we blame others? Um, I'm going to read a little bit from Frederick Roden here. That message is intended for our treatment of others as well as how we look at ourselves. If God does not blame us, why should we blame ourselves? If God does not blame others, what right do we have to blame? So that's an important thing to remember and to remember what blame is. Blame doesn't mean not point you know saying saying i don't you shouldn't blame others it doesn't mean you shouldn't point out faults it doesn't mean you shouldn't uh, or you're in yourself it doesn't mean you shouldn't find find any fault you shouldn't correct anything that's not what it means what it means is blame is where we start assaulting the essential worth of a person uh, by by acknowledging this when the truth is we know that the uh, you know the, the ultimate mover is God. So everything that has happened uh, within humanity, within the world, within the history of the world, ultimately lies in the ultimate cause. And we don't know why. And I've often said, especially confronting great amounts of grief or pain or suffering, that when this is all over, I would really like to demand some answers on some of this because I really don't have those answers. But we are not blamed. So therefore, we should not blame ourselves and we should not blame God. We can correct, but blame is is not supposed to be in our playbook. Let's continue with the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary. 
He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I bid your prayers for all those on our parish prayer list. I bid your prayers for the people of Eastern Europe, particularly Ukraine. I bid your prayers and intercessions at this time. Let us pray together. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Most holy Lord, the ground of our beseeching, who through your servant St. Julian revealed the wonder of your love, grant that as we are created in your nature and restored by your grace, your wills, our wills may be so made one with yours that we may come to see you face to face and gaze on you forever, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning this morning. Uh, this next week and a half, I actually will be um, helping teach a band camp at a local high school. Uh, I have a background in percussion, uh, so I'll be doing that for about a week and a half, which means that the next episode uh, of Love Was His Meaning will drop on Thursday, August 4th. Um, until then, uh, take care of yourselves, and God bless. Thank you for joining me for Love Was His Meaning today. This podcast is generally available twice a week on Tuesdays and Thursdays. The text of Julian's Revelations used in this podcast is The Complete Julian by Father John Julian Swanson OJN and is used by permission of the Order of Julian of Norwich. The theme music is Julian of Norwich by Bombadil and is used under license.